Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Psychotherapist Christine Doyle didn't know that the 15th of November in 2020 was going to be her last drink. In actual fact, as we sit here today, you can't remember your last drink. Is that right, Christine? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny even writing that, that I don't remember my last drink, because I think the first thing anyone would think when you don't remember your last drink is, Jeannie, well, how many did she have that night or what happened that night? Um, but really, it was just an unremarkable evening, just the same as any other Saturday night, having a glass or two of wine, sitting down in front of the TV, my reward for the end of the week. Um, but that was the last drink I had. Um, I just can't remember it. It was unremarkable. I believe drink was getting in your way. Was that the way you would put it? Um, I don't even... I think drink was on my mind. That was more than anything else. I was a social drinker. I'd have a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday night and maybe on a Saturday night as well. I could give or take it, give, take it or leave it some weeks. But to be honest, it was quite a consistent presence in my life. As I feel... Now, when it, you say consistent presence, two nights a week? One to two nights a week. Maybe a couple of glasses. Maybe a couple of glasses. Okay. And then, of course, there were some situations where there might be a big night out or a holiday where you'd let your hair down a little bit more. And, of course, I'm on holidays, can't I? It's my birthday, can't I? And I think we've such an association with reward and alcohol. That's what we've been... You know, the society keeps telling we've us... We've been for conditioned. Not, we're conditioned. Well, that's it. Um, you know... There are lots of people, Jim, for for instance, who can moderate their drinking very easily. And I was one of them. I moderated my drinking. However, it was on my mind a lot. It took up a lot of my mind space. And that's what I didn't like. I didn't like the unhealthy mind space relationship with alcohol. So you might have a difficult day on a Wednesday and then go, well, you know, I'll wait now and have a drink on a Friday. And again, it might only be one or two glasses, but it's always impacting how well you can be. It's always impacting the uh, amount of energy you can have. I feel like the con is there with alcohol that we sell ourselves short. If you eliminate alcohol, which I had done on my three pregnancies, when I eliminated alcohol, I felt so free. I was able to drive wherever I wanted. I could choose not to drink. I had a valid reason to not drink because at the time, if you weren't drinking there was something wrong with you. You know, you were either on antibiotics or you were pregnant or you had a deep, dark secret to tell. But I got that feeling from not drinking when I was pregnant and I loved it. I loved that freedom. I loved that permission, I suppose, that I gave myself to just do what I wanted and the energy I had, the things I wanted to do when alcohol just wasn't on my mind. It wasn't in the mix. I wasn't making room for it. I wasn't allowing for it. I wasn't kind of pausing things or saying, well, I won't do it that night because I'll probably want a glass of wine that night. I wasn't concerned about driving the next day. Again, even if it had only been two glasses, or let's say it had been a couple more. Let's say it had been a celebration and you're concerned the next day driving. Every worry was gone. I was just free to be me. And so, back to November 2020, I'd been thinking about it for a long time, on and off, probably since I'd had the babies, to be honest. Had you spoken to other people about this? Um... No, but as a psychotherapist, it had come up in my room a lot where other people would talk to me about their relationship with alcohol. Other people would talk to me about the impact alcohol was having on their level of anxiety and their level of depression. And the HSE would recommend anyone who's experiencing any level of anxiety and depression should try a period of abstinence. And, you know, to my mind, if 
anyone with any level of anxiety or any level of depression would be recommend to try a period of abstinence. I don't know if there's any one of us that wouldn't therefore benefit from a period of abstinence. But I think in our society we're shy to talk about that. Now, less so now. The society is a lot more sober-loving. We are evolving. We are evolving, thank God. You know, we are. And even when I um, first gave up, you know, I'd have to go and search for an alcohol, a non-alcohol alternative. Whereas now... Now, here's a question. Mm. Why were you looking for a non-alcohol alternative? Yeah, because, you know, on Friday and Saturday night, I suppose one of the big things that I would really want to do is we should be easy on ourselves, Jim. And especially, like, as a psychotherapist, a big part of the way I work is all around self-compassion. So this was a lifestyle choice I wanted to make to not have something that was numbing my mind or numbing my energy. But I did love the ritual of having something on a Friday evening and the ritual of sitting down with something in a nice glass. Would you put that down? Would you put that down to part of the conditioning that you spoke about earlier? It would be, but it's also... It's also nice. Yes, absolutely. I mean, from the age of 17, 18, weekly, again, bar my pregnancies, weekly I was having a glass of wine. So, you know, that conditioning was always there. That was something I was used to having. Because otherwise you'd be happy with maybe a glass of Coke or glass of milk or glass of water. And now, now that's where I am. So now I'm, you know, over So you a came from days. that, you came from yeah, that. Yeah, but okay. to transition, yes. it was really helpful for me to choose. And some, some people would not recommend that. For me, I always think, do what's easy. Make it easy on yourself. You know, put the supports in place. Give yourself a break. You're going through a huge life change here and a really important life change if this is what you feel will be good for you. So absolutely, you know, choose. There's Lovely, no secos on the market, even non-alcoholic gins. None of those were on the market when I gave up, but it's wonderful to see them. Even in my service station now, they have them. You know, they're so accessible to everyone, which is brilliant. But I always made sure from the first day that I was going to do it with a welcoming mindset, that this was something that I wanted to really encourage with myself. I had nothing to punish myself for. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't hit rock bottom. I didn't feel the need to crawl back up from addiction and I you know thank God because many of us just keep going with our level of drinking that maybe we feel slightly uncomfortable with until it hits rock bottom and I was really proud of myself that I didn't feel I needed yeah, to do you, that. You, you describe your drinking career if you like yeah. as quite unremarkable. Very unremarkable. So your story is so different to, to other stories that mm. we you'd know rock bottom you'd know horror stories you'd know withdrawals you didn't no, presumably have withdrawals. No, but it's it's funny. I did miss it. I really did, Jim. You know, actually at the time, my husband gave up as well. The two of us decided to do it. Role modelling for our children was a really big thing. I'm a very family-oriented person and I wanted to show my children that living alcohol-free is a choice that people can make and a really positive choice. So we both decided to give up together. My husband sailed through it absolutely sailed through it, never looked for the non-alcoholic alternatives, never really wanted it, whereas I'd say to him, oh, do you miss it tonight or would you like it, you know, it would be nice to have one now, wouldn't it? He said, God, I really didn't think about it. So the cravings were certainly there because I was so used to it. But the withdrawals, no, you know, but there's a difference, you know, where it's like... Your story is just as valid, you know, absolutely. Well, well absolutely, but is, I think... So many of us um, can wait for that remarkable moment and in doing so, push down what we know to be true for ourselves, which is actually, I think I'd be a little bit happier. 
And fundamentally, that was what it was. I knew I'd be happier without alcohol. I knew I'd be happier if I stopped making room for it, if I stopped thinking about it, if it wasn't on my mind. I knew I'd feel freer. I knew I'd be saying yes to more things. I love fitness. I love walking. I love tennis. I love the gym. I love fun. And alcohol was dulling that a little bit, you know, um, having conversations you know you'd you'd have these big deep conversations with someone and a big huge hug and come away the next day kind of thinking I can't really remember what that conversation was but I do remember being in that corner for half an hour it just I I felt for me I deserved more for me I wanted more for me I wanted really good friendships really meaningful friendships I wanted to really be showing up for myself all the time and I feel there are so many people who keep going with the level of drinking they are at that really feel maybe I'd be happier if I didn't. And for me at that time, that kind of thing wasn't there. It was AA or nothing. And AA wasn't appropriate for me, although I believe it's a fantastic organisation for many. Didn't fit my mould. So looking for the supports that I needed, I found difficult at the time. But as a psychotherapist and wellbeing coach, I had a lot of tools in my armour um, and I and I adapted and... Um, Mentioning tools in your armour, so in, in your career as a psychotherapist, you were obviously able to draw on some of the, yeah. your own, your own built-in mechanisms, if you like, but in your career as a psychotherapist, you came across, you mentioned earlier, you come across people with alcohol addiction or alcohol problems. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. How do you feel, uh, I, I presume you feel very strongly in relation to our, our relationship with alcohol? To be honest, I feel it's such a personal choice. You know, so um, if somebody is coming to me and naming that they really feel that alcohol is impacting their well-being and impacting their mental health, then we can work together. However, I'm not an addiction specialist. Um, I am a big believer in sober living, but I'm not an addiction specialist. And I will normally refer those people on to someone who's really skilled in that area. Psychotherapy is a very wide field um, and addiction counselling is not something that I specialise in. So it's very it was very important to me to always be able to signpost people to the right the right support for them. However, I also believe there are lots of people who fall in the middle ground, who 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 find it more difficult to moderate their drinking, you know, who might make bargains with themselves that I'll only drink on Friday night and feel themselves slipping on Wednesday, who, who are still able to hold down a career and hold down a relationship and be relatively happy in themselves, but would like supports to be able to be free of alcohol. And to me, there's a big difference. And um, so although I'm not a specialist in addiction, I am living proof of what sober living can do and the the steps that I took to be able to make that easy for myself and really achievable for myself and personable for myself. So I do work and support with clients in coaching and therapy to be able to make those lifestyle choices for themselves. Some people would would come around um, alcohol. Some people will come around um, uh, a relationship with food and there are men, social media and there are many different types of addictions that we're dealing with on a low level that may not require or people may not feel comfortable in accessing addiction services but are still courageous enough and honest enough to bring it to a therapy room and that's where we work together. I suspect that there are a lot of people out there listening to you this morning who would be inspired by what you've had to say. What do your friends think of you? You've spoken to your friends. How, how do they see you now? 
Yeah, today. yeah. So um, uh, there's been a lot of changes there with that. Um, so, you know, people can react differently. And actually, one or two friends uh, would have said to me, oh, sure, you'll always drink with us, won't you? Yeah. Oh. So it can be remarkable how people react to the decision to, to Again, live. I think it's down to the conditioning. It's down to the conditioning. But for the most part, people love to have conversations with me about it. People are so delighted for very me. Good. But I am with myself. Christine Doyle, thank you very much indeed. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.